Welcome to episode 82 of Cooldown Time. In this episode, our end-of-year coverage continues with our grades for PlayStation showing in 2022. Plus, we'll reveal whether God of War Ragnarok truly lives up to the hype, along with surprising updates about Mass Effect 5 and much more. But before we get started, it's time to introduce your panel for the show, starting with me, your graphically impressive host, Marco, and joining me, as always the technical mess of the show, the co-host of the show, Pablo, is here as well. Pablo, how you doing, man? Doing good, recovering still, but, uh, you know, kind of lingered, the the cold, the flu, whatever mm. it is I had, but feeling pretty good now, uh, have dedicated most my time now to, you know, bringing peace to uh, what? to Yo- to uh, Midgard and oh, uh, okay. preventing Ragnarok from happening. Fingers crossed, you know. Interesting. You could have uh-huh. started with preventing another hurricane from coming our way. Uh, that would have been oh, a nice, you know, nice little... That's how you know we're used to Florida weather that we literally, and I'm not talking, and I'm not saying that literally in the way like, oh, I mean literally just went through a tropical storm category one hurricane last night all the way up to maybe like one o'clock this afternoon yeah uh and we're here recording because that's just how we do that's what we do that's just life now we're committed to you people uh even though you you don't treat us well people (laughs) what you mean you people um but we have a fantastic episode uh in store this week for sure uh, of course, uh, end of year coverage is continuing on, as I said earlier, uh, starting with console grades. Last week, we did our hidden gem picks of 2022, which was a lot of fun. Uh, so plenty more going on from now to the end of the year and a mm-hmm. little into next year as well. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, but with all this end of year coverage coming your way, it's time to subscribe to our show if you haven't already so you don't miss out. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google our official website at cooldowntime.com. Uh, we're there wherever you need us. Uh, and if you're feeling extra cool, follow us on IG and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. So, Pablo, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into the show. And we're going to start with the segment devoted to the games that we've been playing since you last heard from us that we call Loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, man. We're here. Uh, it is it is Ragnarok time. It is upon us. Uh, we have a lot to unpack with this game. Uh, but, you know, I want to start by saying for all the listeners of the show who are playing this game or maybe getting it soon, don't worry. We're not going to spoil anything. We're going to keep this very spoiler free. Uh, so no worries. Uh, if, you're, if you're extra paranoid, you can skip ahead a little bit if you want to. But uh, we're just going to be sharing our first impressions from what we played so far. Uh, and I think you know, me and Pablo have, have put a good amount of time in uh, since the game came out to give you some thoughts and uh, opinions. And Pablo, you know, with a game of this magnitude and just how how popular it is and how it's kind of taken over the zeitgeist, I know uh, there's a lot of different ways that we can sort of tackle this conversation. But I want to start just with, um, you know, kind of an opening thought about, you know, whether you think this game, um, you know, is is whelming, 
uh, if it's if it's you know underwhelming or if it's overachieving in in any capacity, yeah. and then we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, I think as a game, Ragnarok still manages to surprise me, even if some of the beats can seem familiar. Um, I think for right now, in terms of where I stand, I think about six, seven hours into the game itself, I think it's overachieving because the sheer uh, expectations that God of War Ragnarok had to, to kind of pull off this feat, and then the game drops, and it, for me, it's as good as I, I, I expected it to be, if not even better in some parts. It really just kind of... Um, it, it's really putting into perspective to me uh, in terms of Santa Monica as a studio as how talented they are because they really could have easily phoned this in. And it's something, and I think as we as we play the game a little more, I think we'll have some conversations about is there su- a such thing as too much of the same thing. But as it stands right now, I'm really, really, really uh, enjoying it. I, I personally think that it's overachieving. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. I, um, I'll be very blunt. I, this game is kind of blowing me out of the water. Uh, mm-hmm. As someone that I thought God of War 2018 was a great game, I didn't think it was an all-time great game. So I'm I, I wasn't quite in the camp that some of people, some people that we know personally, have, have kind of touted the game at a very high level. I'm not there. Um, I had a, a good amount of problems with the first game, so I guess I came into this one sort of expecting to feel samey. Um, yeah. Compared to the first one, and and I gotta say that has not been the case at all. I think this game has really um, hit a very, very good stride, uh, especially narratively. Um, And I think that the things that it does bring back from uh, God of War 2018, I think, are still enjoyable. And I think they advance some things in some really nice iterative ways um, that have made it more fun to play as well. So I have to say that I think they're overachieving here in a a pretty big way, too. and so I, I think um, one of the ways, and, and we'll just kind of tag team through this, Pablo, but I think one of the things that is immediate uh, for me is uh, the storytelling. And I think, yeah. you know, again, we're going to keep it spoiler free, but I think that a lot of 2018's game was kind of reestablishing new groundwork, getting you familiar with the, yeah. the new mythology they're playing around with and uh, this new Kratos that we're experiencing for the first time and being a father, you know, and, and dealing with that new dynamic, a lot of it was very like a fish out of water experience. And I think now I feel kind of used to things more and it's less of a jarring, you know, pivot from what God of War used to yeah. be. And I think that just makes this game right from the outset flow a lot better narr- narratively for me. How did you feel, though? Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. I, I mean, it's funny because the game is is essentially a father son story, you yeah. know, yeah. Um you know, in a lot of ways, and there's psychologists out there that tell you that kids grow, when boys grow up, they see their gods as quite literally gods or supermen, right? And and this aspect, that's literally what Kratos is to Trace. And I, I, I really like the way they're handling this because even though that these two beings are super beings, the the, the the dynamic between both of them is very 
what you would expect from a father son. You have you have um, Kratos, the proud father, and you have Atreus consistently trying to make his father proud, and that dynamic still works. And, and I'm glad that that's still in the forefront because I know that was 2018's kind of uh, bread and butter. I was a little afraid that the bombast of two and Ragnarok coming that some of that would have got lost mm-hmm. in in exchange for more of a blockbuster type of story. And so far for me, I'm glad that that's still the heart of, of the game itself. And I, I'm loving every minute of that. And just little things. That, again, no spoilers. There's little things that Atreus tries to do that Kratos does that he can't quite do. And it's, those little things like that are, are just so perfect in, in tone. That, that When it comes to the narrative of the game, I'm... I'm I, I'm fearing for the camp where I think 2018 did blow me away. It's just that's the year that Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, and that was my game of the year that year. But uh, I, coming into this, it's doing, it's even doing way, it's even, it's killing it even more for me mm. in in, on, in all matters of the game itself. So I'm, I'm, yeah, it's it's special, man. So far, it's, yeah. it's special. You know who's really winning me over so far? Because um, I was really worried about Atreus. The trailers yeah. of of with him in it, I'm like, ooh, I don't know, man. The voice is yeah. it's not sounding good. The acting's, but I have to say, um, that's probably the biggest relief for me because that was actually my biggest sticking point with 2018. I did not like the character of Atreus at all in that game. It was very, to me, it was very boilerplate kid behavior, yeah. um, which part of it was intentional because kids are kids, but also it just felt like almost too obnoxious of a of a dynamic between them and now he's more capable and he's more yeah. um you know he's more vocal uh and, and there's like a trust that's starting to build between him and his father and and again we're not getting into too much detail here but right I, you know it, it starts from a place where i feel a lot more confident in wanting to see his story progress through the game now whereas yeah, before I, mean- I really didn't feel that way no, I agree. I agree. I, I would say though, and this is—I'm not going to say it's a hot take because I have a—I have an opposing take to this one, which I'll share after this. Okay, is Atreus and everybody else, and I won't say who specifically. Those voice actors, I think, are almost overshadowing uh, Christopher Judge's performance because I always thought that his performance o- always lacked some sort of, of subtlety to uh, to certain things. I know that it, it, he's playing a character that it's already a pre-existing character, and so I feel like this game is kind of putting those moments when uh, Kratos has to speak out and, and, and show a little more emotion. I think uh, uh, those other characters are not putting him to shame in any way, shape, perform but the emotionality is not there however the opposing argument to that uh there was a show on netflix called narcos it was a colombian version of that they hired a brazilian to play pablo escobar the reason is because his accent was a little different for everybody else but they wanted him to stand out because he was a larger than life character so that was the aspect in terms of why they hired a brazilian to do a spanish uh, performance or spanish-speaking performance and you could actually attribute that to this uh, Kratos is a man out of time or out of out of out of place. He's in a different uh, world completely. So his performance could be kind of akin to that's just how he was in the Greek mythology, and then coming over to this, um, that's how his performance is here. But other than that, I I, I do feel like 
since you kind of touched on that, I think voice performances in this game are top notch and kind of Absolutely. adding to the to the story and the overall performance of the entire game itself. So that's um, that's good that you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have to agree about the voice acting part. I mean, uh, as I say that, my voice cracks. That's that's perfect <laughs> irony. Uh, that's me recovering from being sick too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think um, the performances so far have been really solid. I like the villains. I'm just gonna say that as a blanket statement for yep. you know without saying who's who and what's what uh i think those characters there's some subjectivity there um you know when it comes to performances with those characters but i personally think that those moments are great and i think all that culminates for me in in i think the first two hours of this game are damn near perfect for me I, i i think it hits every note even if you can say oh there's some parallels with how they introed god of war 2018 to this I don't think that that's become like this exhausted thing. It's only been two well, games. You know what I mean? So I have I have something to say about that because I agree with that. Because okay. one of my main gripes when I was talking, not gripes, but one of my main concerns when we're talking about our expectations for God of War is I hope that there's not a this and this, a one for one for certain things. Yeah. The introduction of a certain person does end up being a close proximity to how you're introduced to Boulder. However, it's different enough. And the things that they do within that, yes, I won't spoil the things they do with the electricity. Uh, the, uh, man, I I was like, yo, are, are you sure um, Hideo Kojima didn't uh, didn't uh, direct this part? Of, of, I know of exactly this what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but man, I they really did a good job because yes, there are similarities here, but. I don't think I don't think that's a bad thing, especially if they're able to pull it off the way that they pull it off here. Uh, yeah, for sure. Here's the thing. I mean, I don't get that argument almost in general because you know when people talk like that, where oh, it just feels like they're just doing the same thing. It's I could understand if this was like the third or fourth game in this newly rebooted God of War. It's the second one, you know, like so. Of course, there's going to be carryover with plot story beats and and pacing and even combat which we'll talk about in a, in a second here but it's it comes but with even it then, when we play metal gear Solid, now that we're in that subject there are certain things that happen in that game that happen in every game right and we're waiting for those moments the first kodak call all that stuff are moments that we're waiting for and it would be really ridiculous for us to be like oh a new um metal gear Solid game oh they did the kodak thing again of course they yeah. did you know yeah so it's it's I guess this is now the thing that I were talking about about God of War. I guess it's a staple in the, in the franchise, which I'm good with, as long as they're reiterating it and making it as interesting as they did with the with with um, the first two. I mean, I'm all for it. Go yeah, for it. Definitely. Now, when it comes to the gameplay, I think there's two ways to tackle this one. Obviously, um, there's the exploration and adventuring portion of the gameplay. Yep. And I think there's the combat portion to talk about mm-hmm. too. I think in terms of the the, the sense of adventure, to me, um, you know, I personally I really like it a lot. I I do like the pace of the game. I was worried they were going to bog us down too much with environmental puzzles, and there are a good amount of them so far at, at a decent clip. But it it never overstays its welcome and becomes no. like a, an obnoxious thing to do. Um, so I, 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 I'm definitely relieved about that because same, same. I heard a lot of, you know, I heard some, some scuttlebutt that, oh, you know, it's just, they just won't let me kill stuff enough. And I think people got to get that old God of War stuff out of your system. Those days are over. And so the game is going to be, it, it's going to be I, slower. 
it's going to have its high points, its low points, its ebb and flow is going to be very different compared to the let old me, days. It's time to move on. Let me on. be honest. Let me be honest, Marco. I think the exploration and puzzles are the be- better part uh, of the game. I think the combat is probably the weakest part of the game for me so far. Mm-hmm. Not that it's bad because it's fun to play. I, I, I'm enjoying it. I just feel that out of all the things that you can say, been there, done that, I'm a little there with the combat part of it, but I don't. I, I have fun you playing it. I, yeah. I like engaging in combat. I, I like you know doing combos. I like switching between the blades of chaos and and uh, Leviathan axe. I, I I love doing that. Juggling in the air, all mm-hmm. that stuff is there. It's super dope to do. But I do think that it's probably so far the weakest part of the game for me. And that's not a slight on it. I just feel like in terms of the hierarchy of what's good, I think combat is probably towards the end of that, in my opinion. I would agree. Yeah, I think the exploration yeah. feels really good. Uh, the, le- the, the, the level design feels very well done, too. I have almost no problem with any of that portion of it at all. The combat, I think, is fun as well. Um, I do like, to your point, you know, that it's still fun because of what made it fun last time around. They also added, like... You know, more environmental stuff. You can grab like a huge stone and chuck it at the person yeah, and yeah. things like that. Um, I think where I struggle, and I, I'll freely admit, I'm not great at the combat anyway. Even if uh, even if the combat was like flawless, I'd still suck at it because I always forget to get a trace to shoot the arrows. I always forget to have them do that. Okay. And I'm never good with flanking and getting hit from behind. Um, I will say to that point, though, I wish it was a little bit more nimble when you are getting flanked, because I, I almost feel like I can't get in the right position at the right time. And what people yeah. have, what people said is... Um, roll. Well, they said roll, and also there's an accessibility option that you can enable where you can auto-lock on by proximity. Okay. So That's apparently good. that helps because, you know, now you're not just kind of relying on Atreus to call out or those little arrow indicators around you. Or you can weird. actually start to do stuff automated. Uh, so I might actually try that out after this. I just saw it before we recorded, actually. Um, oh, yeah. But that's kind of my only quirk with the the combat. I just don't feel like I can. I feel like I'm a, just a teeny bit too stiff um, okay. when I'm getting yeah. attacked from you know a 360 degree radius. Yeah, the, you know uh, that's the kind of I guess uh, what they would say is oh he's a big dude. I get that, uh, but um, I feel the same way. I feel you know when they're coming from behind me, either Mamir's uh, Mamir is is warning me or or Atreus is warning me, but it does feel a little bit kind of clumsy in that when there's yeah. way too many when there's way too many uh enemies on the screen it does feel like maybe that this was this battle system wasn't specifically made for multiple multiple enemies because it does feel a little clunky at that point yeah yeah i agree now when it comes to visuals and performance pablo i i'm really curious to hear what you think about it we haven't really talked about this yeah. this subject um Coming into this this game's release, you know, Digital Foundry did a thing, and one of the things that they said that unfortunately a lot of fanboys have kind of latched onto is, you know, they felt like the game was built with PS4 hardware in mind first, and then kind of scaled up for PS5, which um, I think has caused a lot of people to be a bit paranoid, like, oh, could it have looked even better than this? And I have to say, it's kind of a ludicrous argument because to me, this game at least in my book, I think between this and Horizon Forbidden West, I guess, if, if those are the two PlayStation juggernauts visually, I would almost give the nod to God of War, honestly. Um, I, I think that the graphical modes they've chosen are great. I'm, I think I'm doing the um, 
variable refresh rate version of the performance mode. So I'm getting like 80 to 90 frames. It's so it's super uh, smooth and, and really easy to control. Um, no input lag at all. No drops. Um, and I'm just constantly amazed at the visuals and the and the. I think the cinematic quality also lifts it up to another level too. So I don't get that argument at all. I think this game is gorgeous. I would wonder what the hell TVs people are playing this game on or monitors because this game is amazing looking in my opinion. But how do you feel about everything uh, presentation wise? Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think one of the reasons why when, we, when we've talked about this game, we don't really bring up the graphical fidelity too much is because, you know, I it, it's there's not really much there to to uh, kind of complain about or even really talk about in terms of like, like you said, really. it, it looks great. It looks fantastic. I never good. even, yeah. I'm never playing this game and I'm playing it on PS5 and I'm playing it on a monitor. I'm playing it, uh, what, 4K? Is it 4K 60 frames? The, the It's the, like 1800p kind of a deal. Yeah, yeah. the checkered, yeah. Uh, it hasn't dropped. The, I had one little kind of drop and that was when one of the one of the monsters attacked and he also has an electrical charge. Mm. Oh, like, yeah. Mm. yeah. And it, it drops for like half a second and that's it. Never did it again. Um, but man, it is it is beautiful. It is gorgeous. I think that the they, they did a lot of work with the facial animations because there are certain yeah. aspects like very uh, small things that Kratos does with his face where you can tell he's smiling. Like at the very beginning of the game, uh, Atreus picks something up and he does something already like he, he picked something up uh, this is like literally one minute into the game where yeah he goes to pick up something and he goes oh i'll get this and then when he turns around a trace already did it and the camera does a slight panning into into kratos face and he's a, a small little smirk on his face and those nuances you can really pick up with with what they did with the graphical upgrade with when it comes to facial animations little things like that are really excellent i i i think this game is awesome i in that aspect i think that it looks great it runs great there's not much really to complain about i don't yeah i don't understand you know I, I guess those conversations are easy to have i mean like uh that's the low-hanging fruit oh made on a ps4 and it looks like uh like a PS4 game, whatever, man, it doesn't. Or like, the DLC it, argument, like the, the people are clowns for saying that. I'm that's, sorry, that's clown shit. Like, get out of here, man. Yeah. This game is is a full fledged game. It is a one hundred percent worth your time, and it is fantastic in every way. Yeah, and polished too. I have not polished to a T. I've not yeah. felt that like rickety, you know, quality that I've played in every other, <laughs> seemingly every other game. It feels like. Yeah. Um, this game came out of the gate feeling, playing, running extremely polished so i'm i'm glad they made the choice to delay it to when they did you know like honestly i think it makes sense if this is the type of quality we're gonna get out of the gate like this and and, and the reviews some, speak for themselves about how much that you know has yeah. has impacted people and there was some stuff that apparently came out that suggested the game was ready for a long time but that they ran in about three or four months ago they had a crisis where they thought the game was bad <laughs> Uh, and it's just one of those things where uh, creators being too close to a game for too long, mm -hmm. they see all the bad. Uh, and that was an interesting read. Uh, but yeah, man, this this is a great game. Let me ask you a question: Are there if there if we're doing a pros and cons? Let's just say that, and and we've kind of hit all the pros. Do you have any cons that you kind of want to talk about? Because I I I I would say this game is nearly not perfect, but to the point where like if you do a pros and cons list, it'd be like. 20 good pros and one con type of thing. Um, I have, I have, um, I have two. Okay. Um, I think I probably have two as well. Okay. Um, I love Mimir. I think Mimir is great. 
My problem with Mimir is that they use him for exposition dumps a lot of the times. Um, you don't have certain moves or certain magic that you picked up from the first game, and that's explained away in a half a sentence. Oh, because of Thimble Winter, unfortunately... No, don't, say, don't say too uh, much. Don't say too much. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, because unfortunately, well, right? That, that's And it's kind of like, oh, um, okay. And then there are certain aspects of lore that are filled in very briefly by Mimir when I feel like in the other game, it was like a whole story that he gets. And he still does that, for sure. Mm-hmm. But there's certain little things where it's like, oh, I might have a question about that. I'm going to cover it real quickly. It's a small kind of complaint, but I hope that that's not a thing that happens uh, to kind of push certain aspects of the story. Because there's certain things that I you know, was curious. Like, oh, why don't I have this? What's happened to this? And they're explained away in such a kind of... Not- such a throwaway sense that it's like ah a little disappointed okay um and my second thing is this is awful the menu system i was gonna say that's probably my biggest one yeah it is convoluted overstuffed somebody said it it looks like a mobile game menu yeah it really does it has the bottom portion the r2 to, to kind of scroll through it but then once you're there those have each oh my god it is absolutely a mess. It's a mess. I uh, I think the menu system was bad in 2018. I think it's worse now. Honestly, it's yeah, it's that, weird. That, it's weird because it's it's worse. But I almost I I feel like I know what I'm doing more though because I've I'm yeah I've seen that kind of layout so many times that I know how to navigate it. I just don't enjoy navigating it. Um, I would say that's that was my one, and the other one is um, it it kind of, it feels dumb because I, I feel like I'm splitting hairs, but. I would probably say, see, I don't even want to, I don't even want to use that because I think some of the traversal of like climbing and stuff, it's, it's not even that prevalent in the minute to minute gameplay. It just feels like, uh, it it could have been just a little bit smoother, you know? And and that's, that's not anything that I would, you know, I'm not going to list that out as a con that, you know, later on game of the year, we're not going to be talking about, well, how he scaled that wall was a little slow. I just think (laughs) in some of those, some of those moments where they're trying to get you to a different point, be in a different way other than just kind of going forward. Sometimes that just doesn't always feel like it fits very well. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, that's as far as I can really go here. Another thing I'll say, and this is more of me thing. I love the um, I forgot what they called it in the first game. Uh, the by the Bifrost, like going to the Bifrost and picking where you go, and then it opening up. That's not there anymore. It's just a door, and you kind of do the thing where you pick the place you want to go. Mm-hmm. That I guess it's been streamlined. So visually, it's less interesting to me. Yeah. But that that's just like a throwaway thing. I, I really love the the the, Bi, uh, the Bifrost. I thought that was really dope. Uh, yeah. But it's cool. I mean, it's whatever. I mean, it's 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 great. Yeah, this is beyond great to me. This one's kind of knocking me off my chair at times. I I think yeah. um you know again just to wrap up for me, I think for me I was again I was expecting something just on par with 2018 and I thought that's fine, you know. Maybe this will be on the bottom end of my top 10 list. Maybe it'll be mm-hmm. in the middle, but ah man, Kratos is ragdolling the games that I yeah. had on my on my list up till now, yeah, so a little bit, a little bit. It's uh, it's it's looking spooky out here. Uh, pick these uh, these top three games of the year for me. I think that's gonna yeah. be the hard part, but uh, I'm in, in a good way though. I'm I'm happily blown away by this game. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, so Pablo, we uh, uh-huh. we we got through some 
some good talk about God of War Ragnarok, and, and I just feel so joyful, and, and my spirit feels happy. Now go ahead and mess it up and talk about Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marco, I uh, let's talk about some Sonic. Let's call this the good, the bad, and the Sonic, because uh, man, there's some stuff here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend too much time on here. Please don't. I, I'm please just gonna, don't. I'll, I'll stop I, here, you. Here's here's what I'll say. We've seen the open area levels and, and previews for a while, and that is what it is. That's exactly what you think it is. Uh, what we don't see a lot is the cyberspace levels, which are levels that are more akin to a traditional Sonic game, uh, either a side-scrolling platformer type or the 3D traditional platformers. Uh, and those happen far and few between. I would say the opening of this game is perfect in terms of a Sonic game. Mm -hmm. You're in this open world, you're collecting these uh, chaos crystals, then you go to this little thing, you unlock this uh, little beacon, the way you unlock it is by playing one of those cyber levels. And once you do that, the map grows and you go on to the next portion. And it might have two or three of those beacons where you can collect chaos crystals and um, and unlock those beacons to have those really good cyber levels. That's what I thought the whole kind of gameplay loop was going to be because why not? That's perfect. That's exactly what this should be. So what happened? And the game opens up, the entire game, the entire focus of that game is, is actually expanded into nonsense and it's a complete and utter mess. Uh, the, the exploration of the game gets lost because it's, there's no, nothing interesting to see. It's basically, think of the open world and think about the open world tropes. Oh, they have these little side missions, these main missions, all that stuff, right? Uh, and all that is, is literally you going from the map is showing you a question mark or a point of interest. You go there and it's nothing. Okay. But there's never really a clear indication as to where you need to go. There's never a clear indication as to what exactly you need to collect. Mm -hmm. Never a clear indication as to what's important, what's not important. And then mm -hmm. when you do unlock those beacons and you beat the cyber level that's going to so uh, expand the map, it no longer, it's no longer expanding the map. It's a mess of a game. It's mm -hmm. a convoluted, in, it, it, it's, it's, it's convoluted as hell. All it is, it's basically putting Sonic into an open world and it's making you think like, okay... Sonic is here, and now you can run freely through this whole environment, right? That's kind of like the whole get of the game. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is there's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to see in these environments. Seems like it was designed to be a tech demo more than anything, like a proof of concept that, look, we can put Sonic in an open world, but we have no idea what to do in an open world. Uh, no, that's kind of the impression I get. Well, that's all it is. Mm. And then, look, the pop-in textures, is, they're abysmal. The graphical fidelity is subpar. The I art style that, is yeah. its horrible. The juxtaposition of Sonic and the, and, his, and the rest of the people with these this backdrop of a generic grassy landscape is just a terrible decision. Enemy design is baffling. It's just these uh, things covered in balloons, other things with sharp edges and generic robots, complete uninspired enemy design all the way through. The camera is the hardest boss in the entire game. <laughs> and then, you know, and, and again... It's, it's, it's hard to kind of put into to, to words exactly what they're trying to do here. Really, it's just one of the it's one of the worst kind of experiences I've ever had with a game after such a promising uh, hour open. You know what I mean? Well, it's surprising that it even had a strong opening hour to begin with. I mean, everything about this game looked symptomatic of a disaster waiting to happen. I mean, I guess it ended up being just that, but I'm even surprised that there was little enjoyment to be had in the beginning at, at all. But um, they some, they some fans are swearing by it, though. There, there is that audience. Because they nailed that loop. That loop is really good. That Collect the Chaos Crystal, unlock the beacon, 
beacon then unlocks the rest of the map and then go on mm-hmm. and you keep doing that but when it becomes just map it, go here go here go here go here all these things and you go to all those sections and about seven of them give you nothing mm-hmm. then it's like what what exactly am i doing here so it, it just it just feels like a complete and utter mess of a game uh it, it just feels like they were trying to do everything and ended up doing mo- almost nothing with with the actual game itself all right let me wrap up with mine um the other one i was playing is vampire survivors it just dropped on game pass and uh this is a roguelike that has kind of taken the pc gaming community by storm for a while um while it was kind of in early access uh now the official 1.0 has dropped and this is the first time that i actually had a chance to try it so um i came into this with zero expectations um you know when you uh, not too long ago put me onto a game called Akane, which is uh, that kind of roguelike thing where you're just running around yeah. in a giant room and just trying to survive and kill and, and hang on for dear life. Uh, this, I guess, is the pinnacle of that from what I've heard. Uh, and so I try it out. And two hours later, I'm, I'm obsessed. And I didn't even realize two hours had passed. I this game is pretty special. I have to say the hype was real. Um, there is something innate to the way this game uh, plays that is remarkable because unlike the example we just made about Akane where you are actively, you know, pressing buttons and you have to be physically, like, you have to be skilled at that game. In this one, you're just kind of walking around and you're letting a lot of auto attacking do the work for you. And so... Uh, as you progress and you collect more jewels around the map, you start to be able to unlock new uh, skills or to enhance the skills you already have. And what basically happens is after a certain point, should you live long enough, you've got a bunch of things happening kind of automated around you. You've got flying axes and then you've got these, you know, these like holy water drops then you have these like these like bibles that are like swirling around you to like block anything in your proximity from touching you bibles yeah you got king they call them king bibles uh it's all kinds of stuff like that so if you play long enough you will have this like entire automated arsenal basically fighting for you and your your job in the midst of that is to kind of keep maneuvering yourself away from these giant mobs of enemies and it is crack cocaine juice sir uh i had myself a time with this one and uh i think it actually fits a nice little pocket for me right now while i'm playing uh god of war ragnarok because that's such a dense story driven game and there's a lot of things you're hanging on to every word of what people are saying blah 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 and this is a nice little palate cleanse to kind of break up that heaviness of playing through that game by something that's just fun and drop in play for 15 20 minutes or if you get sucked in like i did you know for an hour or more and you know bounce back out i i think this one is a lot of fun and i'm almost mad that we didn't have our hidden gems episode now so i could have listed this as one of those games it's it's it really is incredible yeah i I saw a lot of uh other stuff on when it was all out on PC, because they came out on PC Game Pass, I think, two months ago. Uh, and I, I looked up a lot of stuff. I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is coming to consoles. And, yep, it, I, here it is. It, when did it come out? Like, today? As of Yesterday? this recording. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even... Mm-hmm. I guess I knew that. Uh, that's pretty dope. I, I, You're I'll i eventually it. try it. You're going to yeah, like I'll it. eventually try it for sure. Yeah. Because uh, it looks like right up my alley for sure. Yeah. You'll, I'll get the text later, bruh. <laughs> 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 I know it. 
Um, but I think that is going to cover loadouts this week. It's time to get into the new segment of the show, Pablo, and uh, we call that segment Hit Points. So let's get to it. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, so we got a three-piece this week of uh, news items to cover, starting with some Mass Effect 5 information, ladies and gentlemen. BioWare has shared a cryptic 25-second tease of the next Mass Effect to celebrate N7 Day. The video video looks to be a shot of a human-made mass relay under construction by humans and quarians. However, uh, there's strange looping audio distortions in it that were later decoded as dialogue from none other than Liara. Uh, speaking about the council, which apparently still exists, and um, human defiance. Um, viewing the metadata of the file also shows the names Liara and Reaper as well, which oh, makes people wonder, are Reapers coming back? Did they get all of them? Uh, and along with that, a date found in the video file suggests that the game may take place four years after the events of Mass Effect 3. So... <sighs> What do you make of this, Pablo? And uh, not only in terms of what this means for the, you know, the new game, but you know, what did you think of the tease itself? Uh, I I was mad at it because it's N seven day, and I'm like, I want more than just this. But I mean, I'm glad that a lot of that came from that. Uh, I I didn't know about the little uh, data found within the file suggests that you know the game's out and or the game is four years after Mass Effect three, which is confusing um to me i thought that this game was going to be a little bit more you know removed from the events of mass effect to the point where maybe commander uh um what is it uh shepherd isn't a part of the narrative anymore but i mean at, at four years removed i better be playing as shepherd i'll be bad as fuck no, <laughs> we don't know i mean i don't know if i need shepherd to be happy here yeah i don't know yeah, i think no, that no, legacy no, I, is defined not, absolutely not. i don't know if i yeah give me a new character that can be the next shepherd and you know but, but there was a teaser a couple years ago that suggested that liara was looking for the commander yeah so maybe he he'll play like uh marcus phoenix role did with uh with the new trilogy possible of um part of your crew member or something mm-hmm. pretty dope actually if you think about it yeah yeah, so that could be interesting. Um, I don't know how they pull that off because everybody's shepherd was different, whether it was gender or you know appearance. But I think that'd be really cool. I um I thought this tease was really awesome though. I thought it was dope. I I don't I didn't expect them to have anything ready to show tangibly about the next game. But I think the fact that they were like, hey, we uh we want you to download this and kind of kind of sift through this because we put some things in there for you. I thought that was kind of awesome, and I was participating in that in real time with some people um you know in in uh you know a community that i'm in and they were um you know we were all kind of like you know, did you did you run this audio through this filter and he's like no and then oh you know i found this thing on the back end but it says reaper on it and we're like oh snap there's might be a reaper you know so i thought that was pretty dope usually when that stuff happens i always catch yeah. it late and i'm like i just get a summary from somebody on twitter like oh this had this 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 and this um, but participating so, in real time was pretty dope, I have to say. Yeah, that sounds that sounds cool. But like, um, do we want to see Reapers again, though? <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know if I don't know if there's going to be Reapers in the game. I, I right, think, but if it were, but because I think that's yeah. you know, and if there were, if there is, maybe there's like one straggler that you know, maybe he becomes yeah. your your next companion in the game. <laughs> <laughs> you get because that was a, you get Garrus, the, Reaper, Liara, and your squad. That's that'd hey, be come, cool. Uh, yeah, and Shepard. 
Like, what in the amalgamations? Uh, I, um, yeah, man. Look, uh, anything, anything better. Uh, this just has to be better than, um, than Andromeda, which should be fairly easy. Yeah. Uh, and they're putting some time into it. Uh, yeah, this is cool, man. I can't wait for more of this, uh, eventually to, to come out. Um, cause I'm, I'm, I'm itching for another Mass Effect, uh, Mass Effect game for sure. I downloaded the, uh, the trilogy again. I had Did no you? intention of playing it again. I just wanted to dabble. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. I think I'm ready now. Uh, but we'll see. I don't think we're going to see this sequel for a while. I'm, if I had to guess, I'd say probably like 2024, 2025, maybe. I mean, looking at how long it's taken Dragon Age uh, to, yeah. to even be ready yeah, yeah, to yeah. show, uh, it's probably going to be a minute before we see this game again. So uh, hopefully it's good, though. Uh, but let's move on, Pablo. Uh, you've got some items you want to go over, so I'll kick it over to you. Yeah, so uh, let's start with some Gears of War news. Netflix has partnered with the Coalition to create a live-action movie and an adult animated series for Gears of War. So how excited are we about this news? And more importantly, who uh, would we cast as Marcus, Dom, Baird, Cole? For the, who do you got? Let me start with the just the overall reaction to the news. I, I yeah, think, yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of riding the high of cyberpunk edge runners right now. And... I think people have forgotten like the Resident Evil kind of situation on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this is an alley-oop. I think this is actually um, something I'm, I'm, a, I'm more concerned about than excited about because Netflix can, can, you know, they can go a little left and you get an unrecognizable use of a license or sometimes you'll get something that's very on point. I don't know where it's going to land here, um, but when I see what happened to Halo when they put that thing on Paramount and it is a absolute disaster, I'm not exactly beaming with confidence that Gears of War is going to be the, you know, the turnaround either. Um, if anything, I think it just potentially creates more worry that if you couldn't get Halo right in, in the TV space, how are you going to do it for Gears? Because... Gears, for as much as I love, is, you know, yes, there's lore to play around with, but a lot of the games were very surface level, you know? I mean, yeah, we ended up having characters that we liked, but it wasn't until later in the series where I felt like they really came into their own. So I don't even know what they would do with the tone and the uh, the sci-fi of this game uh, and converting it to a, a film or a, an anime. I think there's a lot of obstacles here is all I'm going to say there. Uh, but before we get to our predictions, how do you feel about the news just as a whole? Yeah, I actually, I, I, I feel different from you in that. I feel like the reason that resident evil always turned out to not be great is because of the subject matter. I think resident evil is an excellent video game, but when you try to convert that into a TV show or a movie, it's, it's, it, they never do a really good, good enough job. It's just cause all the stuff that we love about resident evil are so convoluted at this point to, to kind of, to uh, ex- extract all that information and to make a cohesive film always ends up just being not great. And the same thing goes for Halo. I think Halo is great, but I, I I think those things work a little better uh, from a video game standpoint 
The Witcher being something that was beyond video games at first, so that right. that already has something that works for, uh, in its favor. I I feel like I feel like Gears of War is somewhere in the middle of that. Not quite Witcher in terms of the ability to make it a successful TV show pretty easily or a movie pretty easily. Uh, but I feel like it could. I, I think it's all about casting, and I think it's about tonality. If they really nail the casting and make this basically a horror. Uh, kind of a game when it comes to uh, not 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 showing too much of the of of the um of the bad guys too early too often, just kind of leaning into the horror aspect of it. I think they could really do a really good job. Also, they can they can go uh, different ways about it. They can do more of a pulp fiction ass take on it, a little bit more pulpy, a little bit more still with the horror aspects. Think of like uh, um one of the Zack Snyder horror films uh that he's made. Something that that's scary but has a little camp to it that can make it work as long as you nail the tonality. I think there's a lot working for Gears of War. Again, it is Netflix. I feel I'm a little bit more confident in Netflix than let's say Universal or doing it. But there is the the there is the very real possibility this could be a complete and utter shit show and disaster. Mm-hmm. But I think it's somewhere in the middle. I I, I I my worry for it is just anytime I worry about any uh, adaptation from video game to, to to big screen or small screen. Uh, but I feel like this would really work really well. Um, so, but yeah, that's kind of where where I'm at on, on in that aspect. Okay. Well, then let's try to predict the cast if you don't mind, sir. Uh, I don't know, man. This one took a while for me. Um, yeah, I had a hard time cause it, it's, it's tough. Cause you, when I see these characters in my mind, they're just so like massive. It's like, how, do, how are you going to, how are you going to make a realistic version of that? But, um, get the beefy boys a little, yeah, I don't know. So I, I, I think I feel okay with my picks, but I want to, you're, you're more of a movie buff than me. You probably know way better actors and you know, off the top of your head than I could find. So I actually want to hear what you got first, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, I for for um, for Marcus Phoenix. You want to start there, Marcus Phoenix? Let's or you start with Marcus. Start? Yeah. Okay, with Marcus, I'm not gonna overthink it. I want to give it to the guy that wants it. That's Dave Bautista. Mm. Uh, Dave Bautista has been wanting this for a long time, and he's kind of the guy that I think that would make this work. Uh, he's really passionate about it. He reminds me a lot of Henry Cavill in the in how he was passionate about uh, Geralt and Witcher. Uh, I think he could bring a a a seriousness or at least dedication to the role that many may find like Pablo Schreiber with Master Chief you know he that man's cashing a check you know that that's all that's happening there mm-hmm. there's a little bit more passion there so that would be my pick for Marcus Phoenix uh for Dom I would go a lot of people are going to be mad about this because people think Dom is Mexican or something. There is no Mexico in Gears of War, guys. He's not Hispanic. He's, <laughs> there's none of that. But there, there is... Uh, the, he could be. But I'm going with Joe uh, Magniello. Magniello. He was... Um, in one of the, if you look him up, Marco, you, you'll know exactly who that is. Uh, he was in uh, True Blood. He was dead. Um, dead. I forgot the bad guy's name. Anyway, not important. Uh, those listening know exactly who I'm talking about. Joe Magnello should be, in my opinion, uh, Dom. I think that would work. I saw someone say that it should be John Leguizamo. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, uh, Stephen Amell. 
it should be Damian uh, Baird. Uh, Stephen Amell plays Green Arrow in the DC, in the WB DC shows. He's also in that show on, that I love on Stars called Heel, where he's basically uh, running a wrestling promotion. He's the heel uh, of the company. Uh, he's I think he would be a perfect uh, Damian Baird. I think uh, just kind of his attitude uh, on screen and kind of like his presence on screen would really work well. And then again, not overthink it. Uh, Cole should be. Uh, Les Fight, who did the voice of Cole, like he should be the he should be the dude. He looks still like him. He's he's perfect for the role, and I think that's kind of who uh, we would. Uh, those would be my four. Mm, um, interesting. And I think I nailed it. I don't think we didn't have any of them in common at all. Actually, <laughs> good. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I'll run through mine real fast. So for the Marcus Phoenix role, I know Batista wants it, but it's nice to want things. Um, <laughs> I just don't think Batista can can act very well i think he was good in in very he's he's good in niche type of roles i can't see him carrying this one i don't think it's realistic here what what my pick would be but i would pick tom hardy instead um i think that he would probably give me a better performance i think he would be a believable lead in terms of like masculinity and uh being a leader among men and would be able to demonstrate more nuance to the character of Marcus Phoenix than I think Batista would. I think Batista would try to feign that depth, but I don't think he'd be able to pull it off with his acting chops not being as good as Tom Hardy's. Um, now, I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt. I think you that just pick did. Is, <laughs> I, I don't want to, but I will. I think that pick is absolutely excellent. Um, I, it's, that's a good pick. I think that's a better pick than mine. Okay. However, they would have to give Marcus Phoenix more to do. The reason I think Batista would work is because. Really, in the games, when you play the games, Marcus Phoenix is there, but he's he's more you know inside in terms of like his emotions and all that. Mm-hmm. So maybe a strong silent type would work best. But that's an excellent pick, man. That's a good one. Okay. Good shit. Uh, the rest of these, not so much. Uh, let me get to Dom next. Well, maybe not Dom. Uh, maybe Dom is a good pick too. I don't know. But I actually picked Oscar Isaac uh, for for the uh, role of Dom. One. Um, I like because uh, he's he's actually the one that's uh, cat, supposed to be Solid Snake. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think um, he could be an interesting pick. He can be kind of a wild card, though, because obviously the character of Dom, if you played the series, you know, kind of, you know, the backstory with him and and his partner and just kind of how that permeated through the series. I think um, I would love to see Oscar Oscar Isaac's rendition of that. Um, And I think this might take a little bit of repurposing the character of Dom, too. Uh, and, yeah, and I see that that's okay. I, I see that happening for this movie anyway, um, because you know it, it can't be that one for one. It is going to have to be some repurposing done, and I'd like to see a character like this take on that kind of an opportunity. I, I'm my list. I'm creating a blockbuster summer fest uh, shoot 'em up, <laughs> and Marco is doing a Academy Award nominee fucking war movie. Good for you, man. What, who else you got? <laughs> Uh well I got Bradley Cooper as Baird how you like <laughs> like that I like that I think this is another instance Man, they're of, spend of a billion dollars in cast but they got to do they it they got to make it happen <laughs> I don't know. Uh, your Netflix figured out uh, I think Bradley would be an interesting repurposing as well um I see one of these characters being not necessarily the scrawnier one, but I, I see one being kind of like the techie nerdy version of a soldier. And I think they're going to maybe lean into that with Baird a little bit more than the rest where the, the other ones will be more of like the, the soldier soldiers. Uh, I think Bradley Cooper would be an interesting fit because of obviously his, his, 
you know, his humor and his brand of acting, I think, would be an interesting take on that character and give it more life. I think Baird was kind of a Ooh. underutilized character in the series, in my opinion. I think someone yeah. like him would bring out more life into that character. Here's my wild card pick, though, for uh, for Cole. This person has never acted, in, to my knowledge, in any movies or anything at all. But I got Big E from WWE as Cole. I think he would be amazing in this role. Like, in that wrestler-turned-actor kind of way, I think someone like him could have fun with this role, thrive in it. He obviously has the frame and figure for it, the the role itself, too. I think he'd uh, he'd be an amazing pick. For this for this type of character, uh, he would really he would really bring out that that energy and that that zeal that Cole had all series long. I thought that'd be interesting. I don't think it's realistic, but I would love to see that personally. <laughs> hey, how about this? How about John Cena as Baird? <laughs> no, 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 John no, 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 Cena that, as like Cole. That. I was like, about, wait a minute. How about how about John Cena as Marcus Phoenix? How about? Uh, no. Uh, Batista as Dom, <laughs> The Miz as Baird, and uh, Biggie as Cole. Miz I mean, wouldn't be bad as a Baird though. I wouldn't take. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take issue with Miz as Baird. That'd be crazy. If it's all wrestlers, that'd be nuts. That'd be crazy. Um, no, I mean, look, I, I think honestly, I think that the casting should be somewhere in between those things. Um, I think my, I think my list is a little bit more leaning on the, on the fun side of it. I think you're definitely going like super serious, super, uh, like, uh, which I think would, be, I, I'm telling you, I think it could be both those things. I think if they really lean into the seriousness of, of, of the subject matter and they really drive home the daddy issues of Gears of War, mm-hmm. that game is daddy issues. McGee, I love right. it. Uh, if they have that in there, that they could really make a story, or they can go the other way and make like a fun Zack Snyder type bombast of a film, and the cast should align with whatever tone they should do. And I think that they could be successful on either ends of that. Uh, but we'll see. There's a lot to be left. Uh, there's a lot to be you know desired oh, in terms of yeah. what, what could happen next. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and you got one more uh, hit point news. I'll item. go through this quickly. Yeah, yeah. Nintendo uh, held an indie world showcase with some standout titles like Devolver Digital's Action Adventure, Pepper Grinder. You guys should look that up. It's vis- it's really dope. Uh, visually stunning, Blank, another pretty dope game that you guys should look up. And a sizzle reel that showed WrestleQuest with a May twenty twenty three release window. These are games that are more interesting to me. Uh, so a little selfish here on this, but really. What the reason I put this on here is because they left the best for last. They finally did it. They gave us an update on sports stories, spotlighting golf, tennis, soccer, fishing. But there's more to this game than sports, apparently, from what they said on the damn trailer. Uh, there is a dungeon crawling uh, mechanic in levels. Okay. And there's even, and you can even engage in espionage missions, which literally looked like Metal Gear Solid 2 missions on screen. It releases in December. How do you feel about everything we saw and how confident are we in Sports Story, Marco? Um, you know, I, I, I'll be totally transparent. In terms of the other games, none of them really do anything for me. It's just not It's just not for me. I have nothing against those games at all. Russell Quest looks I, cool, you know, because of I'm my wrestling say, I history, but I, I don't care for... I think for, you'll like Russell Quest. I don't care for the... It's just that brand of indie silly that I just don't like. And it, a lot yeah. of this was feeling like that to me despite the wrestling hook that i you know would normally be interested in seeing just doesn't about, do it for me did you s- nothing with pepper grinder nothing there really not a fan of pepper i'm more of a salt uh <laughs> listen i think you should, pepper grinder looked uh dope i th- actually thought of you because i know you liked uh steam world dig 2 a little yeah it's my favorite uh, games so, of all time but, but that that yeah. didn't look like what i was 
what what, what would make me excited well, at all. So I can't say anything. Now, fair, sp- fair, fair. sports story. I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I'm worried as hell about this game. Same. I don't know what in the square root of hell these people were thinking. What are they doing? This is a lot of plates to spin, my guy. This is a lot. This is this is almost this is overkill. Like it's trying to be everything <coughs> the game. And that's just not that's not making me feel right. Now I will say full disclosure, I'm not golf story fanatic like Pablo is. I thought that game was fine. I didn't really get into it. I didn't play play it very long. So full disclosure, it's this isn't even my bag anyway. But I just think for, from the outside looking in, that looks like there is just it, it is doing too much. Uh, and I think that is either going to be great because it might be great at all the things it's doing, or it's just going to feel like a sloppy hodgepodge of, of stuff that doesn't really feel cohesive or play very well. So I'm I'm more concerned than than excited, to be honest. Yeah, what lost me is 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 the tag. There's more to this game than sports. The game is called Sports Story, you all. What what are you guys talking about? <laughs> I I I wonder I wonder if they kind of segmented. <laughs> it's true. They literally oh. said that there's more to this than sports. But I I wonder if they're just kind of segmented those 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 areas to kind of showcase them. Maybe they're a part of a story because in in Golf Story you do have to do these little side quests in order to do to, to advance your career as a golfer. So maybe with these different games, uh, there's different levels, and each of these games have levels that may uh, have an espionage kind of like basically a sneaking mission type of thing, which. You know, sneaking into the into the golf uh, when, into the golf club when it's closed—that's fine. That that's happened before. Um, <laughs> so maybe they're just kind of uh, segmenting that. But at the way that it was presented to me, just feels like a complete and utter mess. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they're talking about dungeon crawling and uh, espionage missions and more than sports, and then on top of that, there is a lot of sports. There's tennis, soccer, fishing. There's also BMX. There's also Dog, like. Come on, uh, man. Hockey, which all, all's fine. Yeah, badminton um, in that thing too. What else they got in here? You never know. You Air never, hockey they, in this. They, <laughs> they said plus more. So I, I'm assuming there's a lot of other sports that you can play, not specifically that are part of the sports story, because the sports uh, golf story does have a really cool uh, multiplayer aspect to it. So it'd be cool to go into that, and and hopefully they have online capabilities this time, and sure. you can pick a sport and play that. That's cool, and maybe that's where all the other sports are at. Dope, fine, as long as they play well. But the story, the uh, mm, sports story, I am confused as to what exactly they're trying to do here when they're throwing dungeon crawling mechanics. I love sports story or golf story because of the implementation of the RPG in the old school style, also because of golf. I, I, I like that juxtaposition. I like that combination. So when they said sports story, they're going to have golf, tennis, all that good shit together into one. I like that because I like those games when they're managed to find a really int- smart way of putting those things together. This does not seem like that. This seems like a mess of things. And I am absolutely worried as the biggest golf story fan that I, I, I know is myself and sports story. I got excited when it said it's coming in December. I got excited when it's like the one more thing, all that stuff got to me. And then when you think about the actual presentation of it all, it's worrisome. And mm-hmm. this, none of nothing that I saw here other than the way that the certain sports look like uh, in terms of, but the, the, the whole thing itself as a whole product looks messy as fuck. And I am incredibly worried. So we'll see what that looks like. You ready to give it a prediction? Oh, oh, uh, you want to give yeah. that thing an open critic yeah, yeah. predict? 
Yeah, let's do it. Okay. What do you think? I am thinking um, these games always do well. Uh, I think that a lot of the dungeon crawling stuff and a lot of the espionage stuff, I think people are really going to dig into that. I think people are going to love that it has those missions. I am not going to be one of those people, but I think it's going to it's gonna do about 85. 85? Yeah. Okay. I'm personally, on our I, docket. I, yeah, personally, I don't think that a game like that should be at 85, especially if it's if it's not cohesive. But I know, I just know it. I, I saw reactions of it, and people were like all about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? More than sports? It's sports stores. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you crying? <laughs> all right, I'm going to go 82. Um, I think it's going to be solid at the end of the day, yeah. but I think some of those sports are going to be maybe a little booty because uh, you, you, you can't yeah. win them all. I, I do not no, think no, no. this game is going to nail every sport. I think it's going to be some duds. I think some of that extra fluff with the espionage and dungeon crawling is going to be probably a little, little, little janky or a little goofy. I, I don't think I it's going to be great at everything. I hope they're smart enough to, to kind of know that and make the good stuff. Because I know soccer, tennis, and golf is their, was their, was, were their pillars or temples. I hope that that's part of the actual – and fishing as well. I hope that that's part of the core and then everything else is – part of the multiplayer aspect of it which i felt needed more so we'll see if they manage to do that that's fine but we'll see where we stand here in a couple of months and 2k is better um <laughs> anyway not by much uh not in the golf not is, the golf is there anyway. basketball in the game <laughs> i don't think I don't there's think, basketball i don't think so okay so they don't care no. about me anyway um all right i think we got through everything pablo it is time to stop talking about sports story and it's time to start uh, getting critical uh, of PlayStation as we step into our end of year coverage this week with our year in review of PlayStation coming up next on Checkpoint Chat. Let's go. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. Yeah, so as promised, uh, you know, we are going to be reviewing all three uh, console manufacturers and rating what kind of year we think they had. And to do that, me and Pablo have compiled a list of what we believe to be the three biggest highs and the three lowest lows of uh, each console. And then at the end, we're going to give it a grade and compare that grade with what we gave those consoles this time last year. Uh, so, um, you know, Pablo, I think let's let's start with the positives, you know, and uh, I think, you know, it's been an interesting year for the PlayStation brand. I think that is a understatement in many ways. We'll get into all the reasons why, but. I think one of the things that cannot really be denied, in my opinion, is the consistent and high quality output of first party titles for the console. Um, I want to kick it over to you first. I I know some of the games that came out weren't maybe for us per se, but critically, I think that they were uh, received pretty, pretty well. But where do you stand on this and how do you think this has impacted their year? Yeah, when it comes to first party exclusives, Sony's Sony didn't disappoint in terms of like releasing high quality first party games. Uh, the output is there. Uh, they manage their first uh, party studios well and have consistent software dropping. Consistency is key. Mm-hmm. It, they didn't really have a lull. They, they, they might have front ended some stuff, but they, they capped it off perfectly with God of War Ragnarok. If you can, if you can release three high quality first party games, regardless of how I feel about 
two of these games. I think I, I'm not going to deny the 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 beauty of of Forbidden West and and the fact that it is a lot like Zero Dawn, which I'm not a fan of, but people who are are love Forbidden West and you know Gran Turismo. I, I think uh, for whatever it turned out to be, I think the very first impression of it and and kind of like what that game is, uh, the core of the game is is, is it works great. It's great. Mm-hmm. So I think consistency is key. They have they manage their studios incredibly well well they always had something looming always something coming uh and i think that they did a great job i think it's definitely one of the highest uh one of their highs for sure yeah anytime you can say hey we had a year of gaming where we put out a new god of war last of us game a horizon game and a gran turismo Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. one year that's on the surface if you were to hear that you go well that's probably a pretty strong year for playstation and i and and i think it's definitely the case here you know we've we've had our grievances about horizon and some people don't love gran turismo 7 i actually think it was pretty good um so it's all subjective at the end of the day in terms of what we personally feel about it but these are marquee games and they're coming out you know and we're not going to get into a lot of like what aboutism with xbox and stuff like that we're trying to isolate no. playstation here but yep. that is why playstation has the reputation that it has is because there's not a lot of super super dry years sometimes there are you know questions okay where's what's the next thing and i think we have a lot of that coming up in the next year or two of like what's what's really coming next but the here and now is what i think sony has excelled at you don't have to keep thinking about the future too much with PlayStation because most of the bigger things you want are coming right around the corner. And I, I really appreciated that um, that consistent clip of games that came out this year um, that never left you waiting too long or going, man, I really haven't. I don't remember the last exclusive I played on PlayStation. You never have that problem. And I think that is a really good thing, uh, in my yeah. personal opinion. Um, and that also transitions into the next high, Pablo, which I think is is the acquisitions and the smart timed exclusive deals that they have uh, put together this year. Um, you know, and some examples of that are obviously the acquisition of Bungie. Uh, you also have things like Silent Hill 2 uh, getting a timed exclusive deal. Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. You still have Final Fantasy 16 is still on the way, you know, coming soon now. Stray, Sifu, you know, these, these games that... Um, all did pretty well and speaking to the fact that PlayStation kind of still knows how to pick them but where do you stand yeah I mean you're bolstering your first party uh, output by kind of also backing it up with great exclusive even if they're time exclusive deals like uh, you know like like you mentioned Sifu and Rollerdrome are games that you would perceive have Companies taking a chance on mm-hmm. and them hitting, they they knew they had something special with these games, and that's great. And this isn't it isn't a fluke. PlayStation does this constantly. They release these these games like Stray uh, that you may think not much of, and then they come out and they are beloved and they are quality games. And again, don't want to engage in whataboutisms, but Xbox has done done this as well in terms of releasing questionable or games that might seem like high risk and unfortunately they haven't paid off as much or as often as it does for sony so i i, I think that that that's that's great i mean that's good talent acquisition that's good scouting that's good knowing your shit i mean that's probably uh yoshida right Shuhei i would imagine yoshida, yeah. who, he, he's in charge of all that stuff so you know they know he, they got that guy there they, they got one they got a real one there so he knows exactly what he's doing uh and this is this is this could you could literally put this every year for Sony as a high. That's and, true. And we're probably right every year because they are fantastic when it comes to this. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Completely. And I also think 
it's at a point now where it's like when a state of play comes out and a game is announced that I didn't know existed or anything like it, it would be a game that I'm not normally interested in, but because Sony worked out a timed exclusive, I'm like, but maybe it's yeah. good. And I just don't know right. it yet um, because of their track record of picking so many good, um, you know, games you wouldn't normally expect, like the strays of the world that that was that blew me out of the water this year. So more of that would be amazing in the future. Yeah. But it was great this year. for and sure. Look, if you have and all this is kind of married together because if you have great consistent first party games coming out and then you have these uh timed exclusives coming out and then you might release something like last year we didn't like kind of bridge of spirits right. at all uh but you can cover those warts up with great first party games absolutely and stuff like stray stuff like sifu so yeah i it's 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 perfect it's bulletproof strategy any way you go. So yeah. I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And the third high that we picked here, this was a kind of a toss up one for me because I, I almost wanted to use this one to say that PlayStation Plus wasn't as bad as people pegged it to be. Um, yeah. I was I was debating it. I ended up going with with the success of PlayStation games on PC. Um, and I think I think this is a big one because when you think about like the steam decks of the world and and how that's become a bigger deal than people anticipated. And now PlayStation games are whatever. (laughs) One of my predictions was that it was, it It is. I know one of my predictions uh, from beginning of the year was like that people were going to forget steam deck by the end of the year. Uh, Oops. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard to forget that thing because everybody's playing. And I just think that's, that's been a harmonious little, you know, happy accident for PlayStation because not only were these older games selling incredibly well, um, but now you have the added appeal of being able to play Spider-Man on, on Steam Deck or, you know, um, in future titles coming to the platform too. So I think that's really become a big plus for the brand because it's giving these older games a second, a second life. Yeah. And it is, um, obviously helping them with revenue and success and exposure um, when it comes to the future of PlayStation on PC. And I, I will, we'll have a predictions episode about what I think they're going to do next year. I have one really spicy take. That's an acquisition one that I think will play into their PC plans. But um, I think this is going to be a big point of emphasis in their future and for good reason because of how successful it's been. But I, I've been yeah. rambling enough. What do you think? No, I, I agree, but I, I came at this in a different way because I think Sony has been a company that traditionally doesn't follow trends. It sees itself as a trendsetter, so being stuck in that mindset can absolutely be dangerous, but seeing Sony pivot with game services like we mentioned, and especially PC releases, it, it perhaps is showing their willingness to actually follow some trends too, like games on PC is a proven business model that's been done by other companies and the fact that they went ahead and they did that mm. I think that's huge for them as a company as a company with a specific mindset as a company known to be pretty fucking stubborn sometimes it, it's dope seeing this they're still a little they're still a little bit hesitant with releasing games day and date I think that's eventually going to happen mm. that's more or less of a I think that's a logistical thing rather than a thing that they don't can or won't, won't do um, so I am I am I, I applaud them for that because they should have been doing this and the fact that they did it and not only that they've done it right because the, the releases for the most part have been really good uh, and people have been praising them and you know Miles Morales and Spider-Man have gotten second wins in 2022 because of the PC releases so in a lot of ways it's actually worked out for them that they waited so long so it's like a highly anticipated release of a game that's yeah. a couple of years old so you know 
PlayStation, when they hit, they almost never fail, even when they fail. You know, so mm-hmm. that's one of the things about PlayStation that you always gotta uh, you always gotta watch them because they they they'll they'll fuck around and, and, and trip into some success. They will. You know? yeah. <laughs> they, they will. It's very know? Nintendo like in some respects. It's just that that yeah. clumsy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're yeah. the talk of the town. But um, yeah. not everything has been great in the year for Uh-oh. PlayStation though. That's going to transition us into the lows and there's some pretty glaring ones this year for sure. And let's just go ahead and start by Pablo just addressing the the big one. And that is the Jim Ryan effect. Um and in particular with the Activision Blizzard drama. Um I actually want to kick it over to you first on this one. Yeah. Tell me how you're feeling about this one and, and and how detrimental this was for the image of PlayStation. Really detrimental. It's psychosis. I mean, a lot of what Jim, <laughs> well. a lot of what Jim Ryan was describing to these committees was was literally the PlayStation plan, which is make the console in which you own, which is PlayStation or Xbox, undeniable. And that's what play, Xbox is trying to do in a certain way. But it, it's it's a losing battle. I think most people who are in the know kind of know that this is probably just going to happen but the fact that jim ryan has doubled tripled down has traveled to these locations around the world to stop this from happening just comes across as petty comes across as out of touch and really it hurts the brand because he's such a face front-facing uh figure you know if it was like one of the japanese uh 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 people from from higher ups are doing this it wouldn't get much, much traction but because it's it's like phil spencer going around uh talking shit about sony to everybody who would hear him out like it, it's it's weird it's just weird especially <laughs> now it, it just doesn't it doesn't buy well for the brand at all uh and all it does is really kind of inflame the the toxic twitter social media discourse about this kind of stuff because they got their damn guy they got jim right out there rider dying for them it's it's weird I, for me it comes across as desperate and what I actually think, and this is not even me being like, this is not, not hyperbole. I want to know what's happening. Why is Jim Ryan willing to sacrifice some reputations, reputation, and a little bit of the of the uh, optics of PlayStation to fight this so hard? How detrimental will it be if Xbox pulls Call of Duty from the ecosystem? And also. Why would Microsoft do that? You know, that's another kind of question for another day. But it, it's there's a lot of weird stuff behind this. And I kind of want to know the whole story. I want uh, uh, Jason Schreier to write a book about this and, and kind of expose <laughs> it all. Because I am not only I think it's crazy, I'm completely dumbfounded by it. I don't understand why it's happening. And so, but yeah, it's weird, man. I think Jim Ryan is chasing a career-defining move. I think he yeah. wants to be the person that destroyed the deal. And but is that like is that like a thing you want to be known for? It's I, weird, right? I think it is if you want to solidify your place in Sony and climb the ladder and be yeah. further up someday. You can be the guy that yeah, has yeah. that reputation of us just about a seventy billion dollar deal. He just flushed that down the toilet. You know, like that's you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna pop your collar for that one. And I, I feel like in a way this is Jim Ryan saying, I've got nothing to lose. I might, so I might as well just not roll over and, and die. I might as well see if I can make a career move out of this and use my, you know, pull my strings in, in Europe and see if I can, if I can derail this thing and, and protect, you know, PlayStation and, and, you know, keep my place and have that, have that reputation so that, you know, in the future, maybe it strikes more fear into people to try to make other acquisitions in the future of this magnitude. I, I know it's delusional. 
and and that's why yeah. it's that's why it's a low. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah, it's just that you know I think that has spilled out in a way where it's made Sony look nuts. It's made them look absolutely yeah. nuts. Like you are the leader in this space. Why are you talking as if you're like fifth place or something? You're not. You're number one. Even if the thing goes through, he, they're still number two in publishing. Right. Yeah. So I, there's just no there's no reason for it other than I'm just going to be completely difficult about this. And and if it works, then yay for me. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's strange. Yeah. It's silly. And, and the, the reason I say psychosis is because you got a game, Modern Warfare 2 comes out, and there's like exclusives on the PlayStation platform everywhere. I mean, I am an Xbox front guy, and I got it on, on, on PlayStation because there's some skins, there's levels, uh, promises of certain things mm-hmm. in the future that are exclusively coming out to Sony. Yeah, it worked. It got me to, pl- to buy Call of Duty on a Sony console. So it, it, while he's talking out of one side of his mouth, on the other side of his mouth, he's, he's, the, these things are happening. These machinations behind the scenes are happening. And it's it's weird. It, it Like you said, it's to your point, it's weird. Yeah, and it, it bleeds into the next low also, which is the anti-consumer moves. Um, you think about the price increase of the PlayStation, paywalling the customer service, um, PSVR 2, the price point not being backwards compatible, the list kind of goes on. It's just it feels like it's been a series of moves um, that have culminated in PlayStation very outwardly and openly not trying to play into the value proposition at all. I think they look at themselves as, as like a premium product. They are like a boutique of of console games, and I think they treat <laughs> themselves as such. They hold themselves to that accord. They try to be the Apple of of the console space when there's a whole other you know brand out there that that's doing the same if not a little bit more in a weird way but because they have that name equity i think they've they've tried to get away with things and unfortunately because they're playstation they kind of do get away with those things and it's just it's it's just feeling lousier by the day um, yeah. And, you know, I'm really curious to hear what you think about it. I think the biggest one that's bothered people the most was when PlayStation Plus was announced and we found out, no, we're not putting our, our games day and date on that service. And people were like, whoa, yeah. that's a terrible decision. And it sucks. We had some, you know, alternative points of view about it at the time, um, about why they don't need to do it. But it still just speaks to that overarching feeling of like, man, what are you doing for us to make us like happy, though? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, save us some money or make things a little bit more streamlined for us. So what, what do you think yeah. about this? Yeah, you can't you can't sit there and be like, well, we'll never have day and date first party games go on the on service because we want to be able to make the best quality games possible, and we don't want to that that argument. But then you can't turn around and be like, uh, also, we're gonna go ahead and increase a two year old console's price. Uh, we're gonna paywall if you need help, paywalled, uh, and charging an arm for a leg for PSVR, and you can't play games on your old PSVR, like. That's the fuck you pay me approach to uh, consumerism. It's the it's the it's the quintessential fuck them kids. Uh, like it, it, it's just it's ridiculous. It, it's it, oh, they come man. across as cold, disconnected, and really just kind of solidifying themselves as an absurd uh, company that exists within this um, this uh, this ecosystem of other companies. And, and would especially Xbox, who, who puts customer service first, even if it's a facade, even though sure, it's, you know, it's not great, but at least the front front facing consum- uh, consumerism there. Here, it's not only is there really not 
a lot in the way of besides Jim Ryan of people out there like oh the face of, of the brand and and like uh, Sarah Bond or anything like that they don't really have that and on top of that yeah. they're doing shit like this it, it comes it's cold and disconnected and it's it's absurd it's an they're an absurd ridiculous company that makes good video games you know it's <laughs> it's it's weird it's weird yeah yeah I think that and that transitions us into the third low. Um, and this one's thinking more future forward. Uh, yeah. It's not so much things that, you know, games that came out this year, but it is the looming concern about the live service plans. I know this is something that's, that's bothered you uh, a good amount. Yeah. We talked yeah, about yeah. It on the show. Um, I, while I'm open-minded to it, because I, I do understand the need to try it, live service games. If you can get one to be a hit, it's a money printer. And I understand yeah as a business, why you would want to devote resources and effort and energy to try to produce those. Um, because that creates an amazing system where you have, you know, the games are paying for themselves, basically. Having said that, though, I think the concern is the abundance of live service titles in their pipeline. Will these make sense? You know, I, we're already hearing rumors about Horizon getting an MMO type of treatment. And obviously, Factions from Last of Us is just about confirmed to be free to play and, and going to have monetization, of course. How, how will these moves impact these well-known franchises uh, if those games are not good or if they're kind of nefarious in, in some respect? Or... Or if they're good, or if they're good, and what then? What yeah. is what is the cost of of the success of these games? So then, what does that mean for the future? Is I, yeah. I, while I would never say I think the days of getting like the over the shoulders single player campaign story driven game, I don't think those days are ending. But I think it would definitely right. shift the priorities a little bit more in favor of live service support. Um, but where do you stand on this? Yeah, I mean, my concern is now twofold because now I don't want them to start repurposing known franchises into the game as service model. Like Gran Turismo 7 was a backdoor game as service. The the rumored Horizon Zero Dawn MMO, which is, you know, it, Marco, we had a conversation and sure, I th- it could work, but at the same time, it's it's a weird approach. And infusing um, those franchises with these kind of things it's concerning to me uh possibly diminishing the output uh for the sake of life services game as well like how much effort are they going to put behind factions when it releases and how long uh is the support for that kind of game and if it's successful does that mean that we get less output from naughty dog on games that we want to see games that they do really well Mm. whether that be the last of us three or something like that uh same thing with gran turismo 7 when are we going to see the next gran turismo many many years but now that this is a game of service is this just a gran turismo in perpetuity this is the only one we'll see you know for a long time and the same kind of argument goes to zero dawn mmo i know i think a different company is making it in tandem uh, with Guerrilla Games, but does that mean that the next Zero Dawn is going to be put on a little bit of a longer uh, path to, to development? Uh, and Destiny, what's that look like in, in the future for Bungie? Now with Marathon coming in and and, and that Twisted Metal. All, all, so many games that are, are, are franchises that we know and love being repurposed and then the actual fear of being bad, but also being good. Mm-hmm. Imagine Factions is the next um, is the next Fortnite. Just say that. 
what is what do they do other than Fortnite? That's all they do, you know. So I, I, that would really, really, really be a bad. Or the kind better of, example would be Apex Legends, you know, right. killed Titanfall. Right. Exactly. So it, it's it's a little bit concerning in that way because. The plan for live service games is a full speed ahead, and I'm 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 genuinely concerned for the future of of, of this because it's twofold. Either they put time and effort and it fails, or they put time and effort and it succeeds, and now we're still kind of kind of going to be in the same boat once it's all and over with because either we're not going to see games for a long time because a a a gas uh, game as service was in development or we're not going to see it for a long time because the one thing is successful and they have to keep supporting it so it's it's it's, it's scary for me at least because i'm not a fan of these game as service games at all so yeah that's that's where i stand there okay well that's the highs and the lows pablo before we get to our grades was there anything that we didn't talk about high or low or or, or mid that, that you want to address before we get to our grading yeah i mean no not really um this is a more of a, a me thing, but I kind of wish that they maybe had one more big um, first party game this year, just because I love so, so many first party mm-hmm. games, you know. But before it was the show or something, but now they can't count that anymore. So, gotcha. uh, but you know, I just that's all. But I don't think that's a negative on them. I mean, they have three excellent games. Yeah, so. I would I would throw PS Plus as my 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 walk on. I think that one. Yeah. To me, it. People were ready to hate on that service, and I think they've actually done a pretty decent job. I think that agreed, where, agreed, yeah. Where they have to improve on is probably with like the classic titles. Like, what, what, what's the pipeline for that? It's almost like the virtual console thing with Nintendo. Like, when are we going to see new games come out? And like, once in a blue moon, they'll announce like a new wave. And it's like, well, it's been yeah, a yeah. while though, man. So hopefully they get that figured out. But and I know it's hard because old games and licensing is a lot of that's there's a lot of red tape there. I get it. But yeah, yeah, you yeah. did make that a part of your service. And also the PS3 streaming thing is kind of junk. So, like, yeah, that's, a, that's a bummer. Well, but I do think that the, the, the games you get, you know, off rip and having, like, the strays of the world included as part of, like, a day, a day one drop, even though it's not a first party game, that was cool. So I think it, was, it, it wasn't amazing, but it, it certainly wasn't trash like people were trying to say it was. Yeah, one more thing I'll, I'll add that I kind of just thought about um, is, you know, every year, Xbox, Nintendo does it, Sony does it sometimes too, is they set up what's to come next year. Xbox already done that with what, what they have coming next year. Sony's in a little bit of a weird spot because, what is it, uh, Spider-Man 2 is the only thing that I think first party that they have, if I'm not mistaken, for next year. Mm, let me check. Uh, and they haven't had a showcase this year yet talking about the future of games, which, you know, they, they usually would do something like that. Uh, there's no showcase this year. At least uh, as of November 10th, there hasn't been a showcase talking about the future of it. They, they, they released a press release or, or a tweet that said that the uh, that Spider-Man 2 was on track. Yeah, that for, is the only game, by the uh, way, so far. Yeah, so that's the only game. I know they have third-party games, obviously, that are coming out. Final Fantasy uh, 16, so that's super dope. But... I mean, first-party games, it's a little concerning because they're not really talking about it. And then, you know, a, a down year is is big, you know. Look at the conversations behind Xbox in a down year. So we, we don't – they sh- I don't want them to squander that momentum coming into next year. But we'll see what happens because they're, they're the masters of, of, of announcing something that's coming out in a couple of months. So this is true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now we are here at the most important part of this segment, which is the grade that we're going to give PlayStation. Yeah. Now, Pablo – 
Uh, please tell the people what you rated PlayStation last year for comparison purposes, and then uh, give us your grade and tell us why. Yeah, last year uh, C plus. Okay. Um, this year C plus. Oh. Um, I, I, look, taking my taste out of the equation, I can't deny the critical reception, the quality of the first party uh, games like uh, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, and then. Jesus, God. Grand Turismo Seven and God of War God Ragnarok, of War, right? Yeah. Those are incredible. Those are incredible games that that, in terms of how they were uh, talked about and reception and people who like the game. But I do feel that with Grand Turismo Seven being a little bit of a Trojan horse, and I do feel that Horizon Forbidden West being a little bit derivative uh, from the original game. And if I'm thinking correctly, last year Deathloop. Ratchet and Clank, Returnal are games that I didn't really love, and so I that's why I went towards the C plus. But you have to understand, all those games got praised. Deathloop got a whole bunch of awards. I mean, all the stuff was killer for them last year. I don't know, other than Ragnarok, I don't think any of those games are going to be talked about when it comes to awards end of the year. Unfortunately, I, I just think that Elden Ring completely did it again. They overshadowed uh, Forbidden West. That's not a development issue. That's a publishing issue. They should have. That game and gone out of the way of it, but I, I digress. I'm not giving him a C uh, plus base on that. Just the fact that when I compare it to last year, I do feel that the quality was more consistent throughout. But obviously, God, God of War Ragnarok is huge, uh, and I would almost give it a, a C plus B minus just on Ragnarok's back alone. But looking at everything else within the categories, I don't think there's anything that's going to be able to fill the voids of uh from last year in terms of the other games that came out in my opinion but that's why i went exactly the same grade um i i had it lower at one point but ragnarok is just too special for uh for me to to, to not give it at least what it had last year at, at c plus okay which which if you guys have been paying attention to the podcast that doesn't that doesn't seem like a very uh good time to for passing grades <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't seem like a very good time for Xbox. Ah, <laughs> oh boy. We'll talk about we'll that. We'll talk about Foreshadow. it. Foreshadow. Foreshadow. Okay. So last year, I gave uh, PlayStation uh, C plus as well. Uh, we had the same rating last year. Uh, mm -hmm. This year, I went B minus. And I'm just going to be very plain Jane about this. It goes back to what I said as soon as we started this conversation. A year where you can say you dropped The Last of Us, God of War, Horizon, and Gran Turismo, those franchises, regardless of the opinion about, you know, I liked this one, I didn't like that one, that one was okay, like those are key pillar franchises for PlayStation. And we were able to have a year where we got games from those core pillar franchises. And that's really, really special. Um, I think. In a lot of ways, Sony better be glad they had that kind of year because everything else, I mean, it, it, all those lows that we talked through, those were big lows. Like those lows made it damn near embarrassing at times to be a PlayStation yep. gamer um, because there was just no good news coming out of PlayStation for a while there. It was one bad thing after another, and, and even to this day, there's still this this stigma now of PlayStation just kind of looking like the villains of the business at this point in time. Um, so really, to me, if there were a year where you need great games to off to offset the bad PR, this 
they better thank their lucky stars they pulled it off this year. Um, I think, you know, obviously the future is going to be very interesting for them because they're not going to have God of War Ragnarok to lean on all year long. It's going to be interesting to see what they announce next, but I will give them credit. They got God of War out. A lot of people swore high and low. Nope, it's getting delayed again, bro. It's getting delayed to next year. And they made it happen and it's great and it's polished and it's, and it's, it's just about a classic in many people's eyes. They did their thing with PlayStation games on PC. It's, you know, it doesn't it's not the sexy thing to talk about, but it's been working for them and it's exposed their franchises to a whole new audience and the PC community is huge. Um and they're 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 way to know how to pick them. It's still going strong. I I can't deny those things despite how embarrassing they have acted yeah. as as a company. So I'm going B minus on this. Yeah. No, I agree with I agree with a lot of that. I think a lot of that's right. I just think, you know, the PC stuff is is was was low hanging fruit. They they should have been doing that, and they still don't have day and date on that as well. But uh, it's it's still it, they pivoted. That's a good sign for them mm-hmm. uh, as a whole company. So no, you're right. But I I just thought for me I I weighed the the negative a little more heavier than the positive because the 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 heavy the 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 low stuff is so self inflicted. It's all self-inflicted. It's shit that could have completely been avoided, had nothing to do with COVID, had nothing to do with development or or creative uh, decisions. It had to do with everything with being a consumer, uh, uh, consumer choices in terms of what they chose for the consumers, and they chose wrong. Mm. Day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, they just decided not to really be a good company when it came to consumerism, and that's incredibly bizarre to me. Self-inflicted wounds, man. I can't feel sorry for you when you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. You know, you shoot yourself in the foot. But yeah, that's wrong. Fair from. point. Fair point. Um, but that is going to do it for our checkpoint chat. Now, as we said, uh, for the next couple episodes, we will be uh, jumping on Xbox next to give them a rating. And you're not going to want to miss that whatsoever. It's going to be pretty legendary. And then we'll be talking about Nintendo and some third-party studios as well. Um, But that is going to do it for this week's show, ladies and gents. Until next time, uh, be sure to give our pod a sub if you enjoyed it. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time. So that will always be in your FOV. Thanks for listening. You get an A-plus from us. And we'll see you next week. Take care. See you. Make me feel...